Happy Tuesday, everyone. This is your host, Brandi Williamson. I am a believer, mother, and birth and postpartum performance coach. This podcast is all about equipping mothers with actionable performance psychology techniques and inspirational advice with a faith-based perspective to help you excel in the journey of motherhood, all while deepening your faith in Jesus. Motherhood is so rewarding, yet so challenging. One of the biggest challenges I faced in the first year of my son's life is the overwhelming ordinariness of it all. How can the most fulfilling role also be the most lonely at times? If you're a new mom desperate for rest, hopeful for the future, and trying to figure out how to find fulfillment in what seems to be the never-ending cycle of doing the same things every day, you're not alone. I want to share with you all my hard moments in the same season of life and what God has been teaching me through it all. Welcome back to Mom Material. This is an episode for the mom who is worn out and tired of being tired while fighting to make the most of her season of life. I want to start by saying I'm incredibly thankful for the blessing of a child and the opportunity that I have to stay home with him. It's important to give thanks for what you have while also not presenting some manicured facade of life, but share real vulnerable stories of times that are hard. Most of the episodes on this podcast contain actionable performance techniques, but sometimes you find yourself in a state of desperation, knowing no amount of self-help tactics can get you through it, only your dependence on God. When I found out I was pregnant, my life changed in an instant, from what I ate, to the activities I took part in, to the planning of our family's future. I knew my everyday life would be different. I guess I didn't really know how that would all play out. And I'm still learning as I go, mostly the hard way. I graduated from undergrad in Tennessee, moved back home before I applied to graduate programs, got saved in the eight months of being home, and I felt God direct me to Colorado. I applied to the University of Denver's Sport and Performance Psychology program and somehow got in. After the two-year program ended in the summer of 2020, I was praying God would open up opportunities for me to coach collegiately. Feeling like my previous experiences and recent education would be the perfect match to mentor and work with young women. This was simultaneously when the world shut down with COVID-19. Everything was closed down or locked down. I heard God say I was going to work for the Army at Fort Hood in Texas. I absolutely did not want to step foot in that place. I've heard nothing good ever about that area and Vanessa Guillen's murder was plastered on the news. I thought I knew what was best for myself with my future plans. I had plans of coaching a women's soccer team. I mean, I had a heart for women, so why would I be called to work with the military, being around a bunch of dudes all day? I'm very stubborn and sometimes bratty, so I was like, okay, God, if this is really from you, then you'll make it happen. I emailed a contact for contract work with the Army, never thinking it would amount to anything. They interviewed me a couple days later, then told me I had the job and asked where I'd like to go. I said, anywhere besides California and New York, knowing I could not afford those places after living in Denver. She emailed me back the following day saying they had an opening at Fort Hood. 
I literally laughed out loud and was like, okay, God, I guess I'm going to go to Fort Hood. The next three years in Texas were the most impactful years of my life up until this point. Turns out working for the military was so much fun. I got to embed with units as their cognitive performance specialist, go to crazy training events most civilians never get the chance to experience, have awesome conversations with people from all walks of life and different types of religions, and speak in front of generals. Like, who does that? God blessed me with a husband and a baby at the end of my three years in Texas. My time of independence and having all these fun and exciting experiences at work would look different because I knew I wanted to stay home and raise Isaac and the rest of our children. Something inside me knew that I was so replaceable at my job, but not in my home to my son and my husband. I gave up my job making good money, having all these exhilarating experiences, getting noticed by employers based on all the hard work put into the job, and getting attention and incredible feedback from public speaking engagements. The most difficult change for me wasn't the endless diapers, the sleepless nights, or the steep learning curve. It was getting used to the ordinariness of motherhood. I've learned that motherhood is wildly sacrificial and astonishingly overlooked. There's nothing sexy about it. Motherhood doesn't attract wide attention from crowds. No monetary composition doled out and no awards recognizing everything you've done. Rarely are people excited to ask you about what you did that day as a mother staying home with your baby. In fact, I've had people outwardly scoff at the stay-at-home mother life, offering unsolicited comments on how easy I had it or how they wanted to quote-unquote actually do stuff, so kept working and put their baby in daycare. I've experienced the self-denial that flows from motherhood because no longer do your desires take first place, but that of your baby supersedes all else. There are no breaks in which your child doesn't need you. You're always on the clock. It can be staggeringly inconvenient. You choose to forego sleep and wake up at 4.30 a.m. just to find alone time with God in the stillness of the morning to hear the increasingly powerful cries coming from your baby's room as soon as you plop on the couch with your Bible and coffee. Maybe you find yourself finally getting a second to yourself before cleaning or making dinner for the night, which is also something done for other people. And your baby won't seem to fall asleep, propelling you into this cycle of consoling him to no avail. The cyclical pattern of waking to feedings to diapers to playing to sleeping overwhelms the majority of your day, leaving you frayed and exhausted, wondering what exactly you accomplished that day. The mundane drumbeat of routine has worn me down at times, leaving me in a pool of tears as I try to get through it all, all while in a new place by myself, far away from family. However, God has been there with me through it all sustaining and teaching me. No matter what, God sees you even if other people don't, and he deeply loves and cares for you. I was listening to Francis Chan's sermon titled Lukewarm and Loving It. He shared the passage from Matthew 19, 23 through 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Maybe to other Americans, we aren't very wealthy. We don't have luxury items, but instead have hand-me-downs and are living off of one income, not two anymore. 
but compared to the world, we are rich. We don't wonder where our food will come from. We live in comfortable houses and safe area. We have more than what we need. The riches of comfortability and security can have a numbing effect on your spiritual walk and daily dependence on God. This sobers me as I reflect on Revelation 3, 14 through 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words that amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and solve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I'm standing at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Francis goes on to say in his sermon how we in America are like that of the church in Laodicea. We go about our lives without a fiery passion for God where we don't fall on our knees before him because we don't need him due to our worldly riches and security. However, circumstances and seasons in life can stretch you. Moving to a different home in a new area where I don't know anyone, family is half a day's drive away, and I've given up everything I've known and worked for, for a new life that is dedicated to nurturing my son and helping support my husband is not comfortable for me. Maybe for some women it is, but definitely not for me. I believe that if you are in a difficult season of life, crying out to God is the best thing you can do because out of your desperation stirs the affections of spiritual dependence that is the antidote to living a lukewarm life. Despair can harden you or open you up to the deep well of Jesus Christ that is forever life-giving, not just for you, but from him you can give to your children, husband, and the people around you. So as lopsided as it sounds, the hopelessness of what you're going through can be used in a profound way to refine you and deepen your love for God that provides comfort that surpasses all understanding. If this show is adding value to your life, consider following the show and rating mom material so other people can find us easier and share in that experience. When Isaac was brand new to the world, breastfeeding did not, not come easily. We had to work at it together, me putting him in the right position and him learning what to do. I'm not someone that can just plop their boob out when everyone's around, especially not when my dad or father-in-law are in the same room because they both came down for their grandson's arrival. Because I needed to see Isaac, I couldn't just use the nursing cover I had, so I would go into a separate space to nurse him. This always used to make the extrovert in me sad because it never failed that we'd be in the middle of playing a game with our family and Isaac would need to nurse. 
I had to drop what I was doing and go to another place by myself to feed him. I could hear people laughing and having fun in the next room, wanting to be a part of the joy. As the days continued, I would cry sometimes during these moments out of sheer exhaustion and feeling lonely, so I didn't know what else to do but pray. Over time, it got better, and now I feel like I can ride a unicycle while breastfeeding. A couple weeks ago, I committed to being more silent and listening to God throughout my day. What I found was that often He speaks to me in the ordinary moments of my life. His gentle whispers flood into my ears now as I wake my son and nurse him in the rocking chair. There's a profound sense of communion I've developed with God in those normal moments of motherhood that I actually look forward to and think you can as well. Think about the moments in your day that might be routine and pour out your heart to God or incline your ear to see what he might be wanting to say to you during the normal routine or schedule of your day. It could be so lonely to be at the house with a newborn all day by yourself. We weren't meant to be isolated from the church as Christians, and throughout the Bible, I see the importance in finding community, friendship, and unity with others. It can be really uncomfortable to put yourself out there when you're looking for friends because everyone is secretly scared of rejection and and not being found worthy or wanted. Creating friendships is like running a marathon. It's not easy, especially at the beginning, but if you keep at it, you'll get closer to the finish line and you might find that you actually enjoy the process. Comfortability of your home and familiarity in your surroundings can cause a short lasting security that shackles you there, but reaching out and getting out add flavor to your day and give you an opportunity to connect with another person. I've learned that oftentimes you're not alone in feeling lonely. People are waiting to be asked to hang out with because they need it just as bad as you do, but are often apprehensive to be the first one to make a move. Don't worry about failing, looking silly, or taking a declined invite personally. If you keep at it, you will find friends and develop a close-knit community. Shared hardship is something that bonds soldiers, athletic teams, and in this season of life, I'm realizing it bonds mothers together. Getting together with other mothers allows you to share your struggles, comfort, and encourage one another while breaking up the day and getting out of the house. Think about who God has put in your environment. Who comes to mind that you'd like to invite over for coffee or schedule a play date with? I found great community in my women's Bible study with a group of ladies that consistently meet up with each other to do life together. If you're new to an area, check out the small groups at your local church to get plugged in. What are your hobbies? Pickleball, walking, CrossFit, reading? Do what you're already doing and invite people along. Not everything has to be a serious conversation. Have fun and trust that God wants you to have community and will provide one for you and your family. Lastly, add aspects of celebration into your day, week, and month. Some days it's harder than others to be optimistic. Optimism is a resiliency skill I used to teach military personnel. Resilience is the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. You can bounce back quickly whenever hard times come your way. Optimism gets a bad rap because people coat it with some unrealistic plastic that doesn't translate to the real world. Instead, it's actually rooted in hope and gratitude. There's always something you can rejoice in and thank God for. Sometimes you just might have to hunt for it a little harder than other times. I've also heard of people taking five, meaning every morning they start their day by writing five things down that they are grateful for that were different from the day before. Another spoke in the wheel of celebration is worship. 
I've started to play worship music at home when I'm cooking or cleaning to make it more of a fun experience for both me and Isaac. I'll sing to him as he's on his play mat or pick him up and twirl him around in my arms to the music. It washes both of us with joy. I want to start having exploratory days with Isaac where we go experience new things or new locations. I also read in Richard Foster's book called The Celebration of Discipline about how his family makes special days in the year to come together and just have fun in a unique way, whether that's doing skits, having bonfires, or annual spring plays. I love the title of Foster's book because it perfectly sums up what we as mothers can find in the midst of our ordinary routines and schedules, the opportunity for a closer relationship with God and our children, which is something to celebrate.